I'm Gregory Berg. The final Morning Show podcasts of 2023 are devoted to some of the most noteworthy morning shows of the year that featured local guests. We lost someone very, very special during 2023, Frank Germanaro. And here is the Morning Show tribute, which aired in late January. And we welcome you to the Monday Morning Show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. Delightful, charming music making of none other than Craig Gall, the conductor of the Kenosha Pops concert band, and a beloved figure in the history of the group, Frank Germanaro. Frank Germanaro uh, passed away several days ago, and today's morning show is a tribute to Frank Germanaro, a shining light in our community in so many different ways. An educator, former teacher, former school principal, and as for the Kenosha Pops band, he joined them as a member of the clarinet section way back in 1968, had a long stint as assistant conductor for much of the 1970s and 80s, ultimately music director and conductor, 1993 to 2002, handed over the baton to Craig Gall, and then came back as assistant conductor for several seasons. And uh, what you just heard was a bit of, uh, of a program which Frank and Craig played during the summer of 2020 when the COVID-19 pandemic necessitated the cancellation essentially of the Kenosha Pops season in Penoyer Park. And uh, they did two of these programs and it reminded many of us of those charming moments which would often come on the final concerts of the summer season when Craig and Frank would take the stage and uh, do some kind of duet. In many cases, something which they had written together to bid farewell to the audience and welcome them back for the next season. I'm really happy to have Craig Gall with me on the phone to talk about his longtime friend and mentor, Frank Germanaro. Craig Gall, thanks for joining me on the morning show today. Thanks for having me. So this is something that, of course, uh, a lot of us knew was coming, knowing that uh, Frank uh, was seriously ill. But nevertheless, it kind of comes as a stunning surprise all the same, doesn't it? Well, for those of us who were close to him, we knew this time was was very, very close. But uh, for the general public, I'm sure it's it's come as quite a shock. Um, He's been battling uh, this ordeal here for several, several months now. And um, we hated to see our buddy in in this situation. And uh, quite frankly, it's a blessing, and and he's in a much much better place now. So, say a word about the kind of relationship which the two of you had over the course of these many years. It's a relationship that dated back uh, even before 
you stepped on the podium as music director of, of the band, but um, sum up just how close the two of you were. We were very, very close. I'm one of the best friends I've had over all these years, and, and what a great opportunity uh, he gave me so many, many years ago when he tapped, tapped me to be his assistant conductor. I was actually on my way out of town when he asked me to be the director of the band. I had accepted the high school directing job in Kimberly, Wisconsin, and uh, I said, Frank, I'd love to do this, but, but I'm leaving. He said, well, <laughs> you can stay with my wife and me at the house in the summers. Uh, we've got a room in the basement for you. And, uh, and that's how this all started. And uh, over the years, we just became fast friends. And uh, it, it just was a wild and exciting and fun ride mm. the entire time. One thing I want to be sure to have you speak to is Frank's talents as a musician, because I think one one drawback to him having such a sunny, fun-loving personality and also a very self-deprecating sense of humor is that I fear that people didn't always understand just what a crackerjack musician he, in fact, was and how seriously he took music making for all of the fun he had doing it well and that's one of the, the neat things that i think struck a chord for the two of us is that when when we were in front of that band we had two goals in mind number one was to put a product a quality product out for the people of kenosha and number two our job was to entertain the people and Frank knew that from the get-go. He knew that from all of the years he was involved in, in the Kenosha Pops. Um, when he was on the podium, he, he just generated joy and excitement and enthusiasm out of the musicians in the band. And I think that transferred over very easily to the, those who are listening in the audience every Wednesday night in, in Penoyer Park. Um, he was a fantastic accordion player. He could fake his way out of anything. And uh, between the two of us faking our way out of everything simultaneously, we came up with some pretty entertaining <laughs> time on the band shelf for, for the people. It was just so much fun collaborating with him, not only you know from a musical standpoint, when we were playing together our, our little duets or, or singing together, or, but but just formulating the, the 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 summer programs and picking themes, and we would bounce ideas off of each other, and we, we thought they were going to work. It was great, and if one of us thought uh, we better move on, there were no questions asked. It just it just was a this symbiotic relationship that we had that made things so fun. Mm. And of course, he set a very high standard when it comes to having fun and of making really good music and uh, sharing it with the public so joyously. So I have a sense already that uh, that spirit and that example lives on vibrantly from here on out. Craig Gall, uh, music director, conductor of the Kenosha Pops Concert Band, thank you so much for joining me today on The Morning Show. It's been a pleasure talking about my good buddy. Let me call you sweetheart, I'm in
Monday Morning Show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. Today's program is a memorial tribute to Frank Germanaro, who passed away this past Thursday at the age of 74. We're going to finish out the program by listening back to a most memorable conversation, which I recorded back in the spring of 2010 with Frank and with his wife, Janet Germanaro. Janet had just thrown for Frank a huge, wonderful surprise party celebrating the 40th anniversary of Frank receiving a transplanted kidney. This was at a point in time when it was exceedingly uncommon for a kidney transplant recipient to reach such a milestone. It was certainly something worth celebrating in a very big way. Well, his anniversary date is March 11, 2070, and so the party was on March 14th, and I, um, yeah, I kind of made up a story about a cousin of his who was going to have this big surprise party for his wife. I called Ooh, him and um, Johnny, no. yeah, and I said, isn't your wife, like, don't you have, like, an anniversary this year or some big birthday? And he said, well, she's going to be 55 this year. I said, perfect, double nickel birthday. That's uh, what yeah. we're having. Uh, okay. So my sister-in-law, Carmela, actually mailed me an invitation to this supposed party. <laughs> and um, we were I didn't want to go. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and I said, and at the same time, a, a good girlfriend of mine, her daughter is having a bridal shower, Ashley, that same day. So when she got my invitation, she called and said, oh, my God. I can't have my shower the same day. I want to be at your party. You have to be at mine. So she changed her date at the Italian-American, oh but again, sent me a bogus invitation for that day. And I told Frank, you know, she has 150 women coming to this Italian shower. I said, everybody in town's coming. It's upstairs in the ballroom. So that's how we kind of played that. So when I was making all the Italian cookies and I made 40 sugar cookies, I used another excuse for that. He figured it was all wow. for these other things that was we were going to. I was clueless. The funny thing is he see, you know, his cousin, he said, I, I just am really surprised my cousin John's yeah. having this party. And I said, well, <laughs> what a nice guy. He said he had one when she was 40 and he thought 55, something different. Nobody'd ever believe that. And so that's how we kind of pulled I it off. Bought it. Oh, yeah, my I word. bought it pretty much. Yeah. You know, that's almost scary. Yeah. The <laughs> skill with which you pulled it. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm glad Ooh. you're working for yeah. a good cause <laughs> yeah. in this case. That's why our, our parish priest, Father Stephen Forrest, blessed me a number of times. I said, Father Stephen, I'm like lying through my teeth every moment of every <laughs> day and he kept blessing me it's okay it's okay you know so he was the one that said to me though i don't know if i can do this he goes i see frank all the time i can't do this i said father if you blow this surprise i said you are going to be in such trouble uh, he said i just won't talk to him i won't talk to him i said okay that's a good plan there so you go it was yeah a lot of you know covering my my lies with other lies and you know trying to keep a you're quiet pretty skilled was, at that yeah, i'm gonna have yeah, to remember yeah, this yeah. yeah i am unfortunately right. pretty, pretty good at yeah. covering up things so you walk into would it be the upper floor of the right. Italian American right. Club, right. thinking it's going to be this shower for somebody else, yes. and in ter- instead it it's, was for me. Yes. Wow! Yeah. So when you walked through the door, what happened? Was it just a bunch well, of there was screaming? A cameraman people? was right in my face. Channel and Twelve was there, and everybody jumped news. up and said surprise. And I thought. I'm going to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> but he said he suspected something in the parking lot. Oh, yeah, there were some very nice cars there. We had a number of his doctors from Milwaukee. So he thought, ah, oh, these aren't my cousin's cars. <laughs> you know, ah, something's up here. We're so. to pick up trucks. They're yeah. not wow. pick <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so what ensued at that party? Um, well, we had a wonderful dinner, and um, we had a program. I had a number of speakers that I had asked to say something, and um, one of his good friends, Dr. Alan Rosa, who's a transplant surgeon at Freighter, is a good buddy of his, and um, one of his friends from uh, the Kidney Foundation in Milwaukee, and then, of course, Suzanne, why, why, what's her name, Wy- Wyckoff, Wyckoff, who's the... Um, 
associate director. Associate director of the National Kidney Foundation came from New York, which was wonderful. Wow. And she had a big proclamation for him, which was hysterical in the fact that it was all, you know, who tongue for what, cheek. all tongue in cheek. It was, uh, she in she old read English. the whole thing. It was just <laughs> hysterical, which of course we have at home. And, um, yeah, it's so we just had a really nice program and dinner. And the funny thing is, his brother, Gerardo, was in charge of him that morning. They were going to go golf in the indoor golf place in Milwaukee. Well, he didn't, of course, call, and they were closed. So, oh, no. <laughs> so then it's like, what do we do now? So, and he let Frank drive, which is anybody that knows my husband drives, you know, the speed limit or a little under. And um, I'm in no hurry. Gerardo was like, you know, knowing, knowing he had to get there at 2. I had everybody there at one thirty, and 2 o'clock comes and goes. No, Gerardo, 2.10, 2.15. I'm calling him saying, Gerardo, where are you? He said, well, first of all, let Frank drive. That was a first mistake. Uh. And we're still, you know, not quite there. So they were a little bit late. So I had to kind of, I got everybody sitting down and kind of told them the story of how the party came off and, um, you know, did a little stuff ensued, you know, mm-hmm. did a little humor and stuff. And mm-hmm. so finally he showed up. And so you were already there. Yes, we and were already so, there. And so then, so and Frank's there. brother was bringing yeah. him. And so yeah. and you knew where he was and you knew why they right, were late. Right. And, and, Frank, and Frank's brother was the MC. I, I picked him. His older brother, Leo, was supposed to be there and, and couldn't get a flight from Arizona. So oh. I had asked Gerardo to MC it, and which was great because Gerardo was seven years younger than Frank, actually born on the same day. Huh. And um, he lived through a lot of what Frank went through and missing him when he was at the hospital for days and weeks at a time. And um, so he had some, a different side of, of Frank that different perspective perspective. And yeah. he was so funny. I mean, everybody just howled the entire Imagine afternoon. Frank Germanaro's brother being funny. That's yeah. Can you imagine that? Yeah. <laughs> Stunning yeah. surprise. The whole family's like great. that. I'm sorry and to a, say. A friend of wow. mine has a daughter who made a kidney cake, which Dr. Ranieri, Frank's doctor in town <laughs> said it looked just like a kidney. I mean, it had the veins and the arteries and the colors were perfect and, it was pretty funny looking, but and people were afraid to eat it. We cut it real quick. <laughs> like, and, of course, she made it out of red velvet. So, of course, when you cut it, it was red. And, oh, dear. But the, the doctors were just amazed at the cake and that, yeah, yeah it just was a, a perfect day. A nice time. It was wow. a perfect, perfect day. Yeah. And, again, when you're talking about the doctors, mm-hmm. you're meaning at least some of the doctors who were part yes. of this transplant 40 yes. years earlier. Right. Well, four of them are dead. Yeah. Well, it's really she... something, you know, yeah. when, when you think, like I said, you don't realize 40 years is passing. And there's yeah. particular markers, that, sure. and that's part of it. Yeah. Uh, great people, and, yeah. but, you know, we all, we all meet our time, don't sure. we? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, it was neat that there were even mm-hmm. some of them that yeah, were still around. Yeah, two of his nephrologists who are still with him now. Wow. In fact, the one nephrologist there had told us when, before we got married that we wouldn't probably have children, and Frank would maybe live five years. And so he was there at the party, and, of course, after we kept having child after child after child, I thought, oh, Dr. Peering, you know, what are you doing to me here? You told me no kids. And that's a big joke in our family. I figured five years, no kids. Frank would be gone. I'd only be 25. I could go on, you know, get married again, you know. And 40 years later, here, here he still is are. with four children and a grandson. Yeah, oh, so it's, my gosh. it's been great. Yeah. Not all predictions work no, out in no, this case. No, absolutely not. Thank nope. goodness. Nope. For those of you just joining us, we're speaking with uh, Frank and Janet Germanaro, and um, as we've just been relating. Uh, Earlier this year, in the spring, Frank celebrated the 40th anniversary of his kidney transplant, and it is not at all common for someone to reach that milestone. So it's uh, it was an occasion worth celebrating, and uh, as Janet's just been relating, she uh, conceived and coordinated and created a a magnificent celebration of this uh, milestone which uh, garnered a lot of attention uh, in in the media, and we're spending some time talking about it now today. So, Frank, tell us a little bit about, um, first of all, the situation that necessitated your kidney transplant. Um, 
40 years ago. First of all, when did problems first start to make themselves at birth? Oh, really? At birth, yeah. yeah. Um, My kidney problems started with the smallest of a little abnormality that I had. I had a a narrowing of the tube where you urinate. It's called a stricture, but they didn't know that I had one. And so over time, urine would back up, and it would infect the kidneys. And in those Uh, days, they didn't have the drugs. In 1948, 49, they didn't have the drugs that they have now to be able to treat something like that. And just one thing led to another. So you weren't born with kidney trouble. You were born with this sort of obstruction. That's it, yeah. Plumbing trouble. And that (laughs) eventually led to something, in a sense, I suppose, sort of poisoning your kidneys. Yeah, it led to glomerular nephritis, which is... The glomeruli are the little filters that are in in your kidney. It's what makes the kidney work. Mm -hmm. And uh, they just slowly deteriorated until both kidneys uh, just stopped working when I was uh, 19. Wow. So it's remarkable that they kept me going until I was 19. Well, right, or we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation, would we? I was very, very fortunate that I was able to make it that long. What is it like to live with that kind of escalating kidney trouble, especially back then? I mean, what kinds of things would start to go wrong or in what ways did this problem sort of gradually encroach on you? Well, it, it's just, uh, first of all, the chronic infections. You just, you're always dealing with a chronic infection. Um, I had to have different types of drainage tubes put in me to bypass the, the uh, narrowing, um, loss of weight, energy, you know, your energy wasn't too good. Your kidneys are also master chemists in your body, too. Your liver is the number one master chemist, but uh, the kidneys are involved in producing red blood cells and, mm. and other enzymes and all that other stuff. So when it gets so when, so when you have trouble with that, it, it affects your well-being. Every, every, yeah, well-being, the whole thing. And, and the, the remarkable thing about it is that you could, you could live a pretty normal life with 25% uh, function on one kidney. Wow. You, you know. That's why they're so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is your recollection of your parents and, and your siblings, for that matter, oh, in terms of, mm-hmm. of handling this situation with you? I cannot say enough about my parents when, when you think about because I was in the hospital, oh, probably two or three times a year. Uh, Dr. Richard, his father, and then Dr. Richard, Dr. Jean Richard uh, took care of me all the time, kept me going. Uh, I was in the hospital a lot. Uh, my parents... Uh, had to do little medical procedures on me every day to, oh. to keep things flowing. Uh, they were just wonderful. You can't you can't say enough about them. Um, so I guess that's what parenting's all about, mm. right, honey? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And were your siblings just tremendously sweet towards you because of all? No, this? they weren't. They were just normal <laughs> siblings. Uh, I I can remember I, I developed renal rickets, which is just a form of. of Getting knocked knees and the rickets. Renal rickets. Renal rickets. Sounds like a name of a professional wrestler or something. (laughs) Actually, Uh, it's a rock band in the 90s. Okay, all right. (laughs) Renal rickets and the knock knees. And then that's. That's uh, what what I developed. But my sister used to pull me around the house, say, "Come on, come on, you got to get up and walk." Well, that was the worst thing that could happen. (laughs) We had a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't ever remember being treated differently. Mm-hmm. We used to have a lot of fun. We used to argue, sure. play, you know. 
Well, that's and that was yeah. probably good. I mean, if yeah. they'd sort of tiptoed around you yeah. like you were no, a, a step away that. from mm-hmm. death, that mm-hmm. would not no. have probably been good either. No, I could tell they were worried at times, but most of the time they treated me like any, any of the other kids. You know? Did you miss a lot of school because of this uh, situation? Well, you know, I went to orthopedic. It was the old orthopedic school, you know, where Jane Vernon is. Yeah. Okay, well, that's the orthopedic school. But it used to be in Jefferson's Annex. Jefferson School in back of it had a little school, and it was called the Jefferson Annex. That was the old orthopedic open-air school. I, I think they built it when the, the big uh, TB outbreaks oh, were yeah. happening in the country in the 1920s. Uh, but then they used it for uh, children who had uh, handicaps, uh, you know. And I went to the school because I just couldn't be bumped or I, I couldn't run like the other kids and stuff like that. Yeah. So I went to, yeah, until eighth grade. And then ninth grade, I went to Washington Junior High School. Whoa. Oh, that was all rude awakening. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> and then I went to regular school after that. But that's that's where I went to school. So I guess it was sheltered in that way. I was sheltered somewhat in that way, but I never I never felt that way. I never felt sheltered. No. Or, or- Unduly sheltered. Unduly I mean, sheltered. Probably just yeah. sheltered enough. I well, mean. it was more like I'm always arguing, I want to ride a bike. No, you can't. No, well, then I did anyways. You know, screw myself up. Yeah. Can't climb trees. I was up trees. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> Shouldn't take a shower. Well, I took showers. You know? <laughs> you know? Ever when, the when there was uh, particular uh, open wounds and stuff, <laughs> you really shouldn't do that stuff. Right. Yeah, well. Now, you obviously are are a musician, mm-hmm. or yes. pretend to be. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> Doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Made a pretty good look. No, absolutely. Yeah. No, you're, you are yeah, a musician, absolutely. You. No no thank question you. about it. Um, I, I don't remember what kind of music making you did as a young person. I, as a, I, 12 years old, my mother wanted me to play accordion. I wanted to play string bass, but she wanted me to play accordion. So I took accordion lessons, and then by about 16 years old, I already had my first little bands going yeah. around, and we played a lot of weddings, uh, hundreds of weddings and parties. And, and then uh, when I went to uh, college, I, I never had a thought of going into music. That It was going to be something maybe in the, the sciences. I really enjoyed sure. the sciences. And, and um, you'd seen the sciences up close yeah. more than a lot of people yeah. your age. And so I, I went to... Uh, the extension, as it was called then, and uh, uh, that's when I got real sick in 1968. I, I started, uh, which is now Parkside, uh, in in 1966, but in 68 I was very, very uh, sick, and I had to go on a kidney machine in 1968. You mean uh, dialysis? Dialysis, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I still use an old term, yeah. dialysis in, in 1968. Wow. Through 1970, then when I when I received the transplant. So, so at some point in this moment mm-hmm. or this in this chapter of your life, this is when the problem started to become so serious. Then, right? I couldn't. I couldn't. I really couldn't function. So, I, I, it's not that music was easy because it never was easy for me because I didn't have music in high school. I didn't do any of the marching bands right, and stuff like that. Right. Uh, but I sort of fell into it naturally. Got into a group of guys and. Before you know it, I was a music major. Wow. Huh. It was wonderful. It's been sure. a wonderful, wonderful uh, vocation and advocation. Of course. Uh, yes. And it probably made a, a, a nice difference for the better in your life I as you were so. contending with all of this Well, that's where stuff. I met my wife was at a music store. Yeah. We were oh. teaching together. She taught together. She taught piano and organ, and I taught accordion. And yep. one thing led to another, and before the, you know it, I'm married. The I, rest I, is yeah. history. The <laughs> rest is history. Oh, a yeah. happy history. <laughs> yeah. So let's get back now to this yeah. urgent 
situation yes. then that, yeah. that necessitates the uh, the kidney transplant. Right. By the way, what's it what's it feel like to think back to these uh, events? I mean, before the transplant, I mean, which are I'm sure not some of the happier memories of your <laughs> life. Is it weird or it's hard? It's weird. It's hard. You know, don't don't forget it's pretty bittersweet because. Okay, I, w- I went on the kidney machine, but before I could go on the kidney machine, uh, my case had to be presented bef- before a death and dying committee wow. in university hospitals because there weren't that many dialysis machines for people. They had a, a finite amount. There was just a few. Wow. And, and you know, so Do you have I any- passed that. I, I remember, you know, they they said I, I was there was three or four of us guys in one room at university hospitals and I can still remember this. They said to these other people that were in the room, "We're going to give you some medication. You can go home. Don't worry, you'll be well." He says, "You have to stay. We're going to put you on this machine." So <laughs> would it would it be that because your situation was especially serious? No, is- it's because probably I didn't have any what they call comorbidity. Well, I didn't have any other yeah. morbidity or, or other sicknesses to go with it. It was just kidneys. My heart was strong. My liver was strong. I see. You know, everything was strong. So I was a good candidate for uh, what they called chronic dialysis. And you so, were young, too. And I was young. So, I was yeah. 19. So you were younger than mm-hmm. than the, the other people. Yeah. Okay, yeah. younger than the norm. And it was more likely that you would survive. Right. That's exactly what it was, and to, to make a good use of a resource. Wow. I know that's hard for people to understand, but that's how it is. That Sometimes was the reality that then, was especially. That was the reality then. Right. And so that, wow. that so then they put me on the machine. I see what you mean, though. That how bittersweet yep. that is. That it's bittersweet. These, these young other men in your room, maybe or maybe didn't understand the. Right. Well, what, they didn't know. They were happy to go home. Right. Yeah. And in a sense, <laughs> yeah, that that right. decision was saying you're not likely to survive. Right. But see, now I didn't realize that mm-hmm. at the time. You, wow. you realize this stuff later on. The same yeah. with the transplant. I mean, my family was ecstatic, but on the other side of it. There is a 13-year-old girl who just died of a brain tumor. Mm. Oh, my God. You know, yeah. you, you have to balance the joy. I guess, and uh, you know, everything is uh, mathematical. It's equal. Yeah, yin and yang. Yin and yang. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, someone else's tra- tragedy was, was your my, family's joy. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So so you go on dialysis. Right. And uh, uh, was that much like it is now? No, it was much different. It was three times a week, six to eight hours. Mm. The uh, the machine or the dialysis machine wasn't actually not the machine itself, but the coil that they put the blood through wasn't as efficient as mm. as the coils are now. Wow! Yeah, yeah. Now I guess they go three to four hours twice oh. a week. And what does it feel like when you're on uh, dialysis? There's no pain. There's mm-hmm. no pain. You're you're probably in my case, I would drink and eat too much. Being young, I shouldn't have had that pizza or that beer. That's <laughs> you shouldn't do that. <laughs> but uh, so I, I probably had a water overload and a little, and my poisons were sort of built up in my sure. blood. But because I was young, and you know, mm. it washed out pretty yeah. fast. That was okay. So so but so more than anything, it's just this frustrating immobility. Well, of course, and 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 you know, from sixty-eight to seventy, that's. Sort of limbo for Parkside because I was only to take one or two classes, able to take one. So that's actually when the change came, went from science to a to music, which yeah. I loved anyway. Yeah. yeah. So at what point then did it? I mean, as soon as you went on dialysis, was the hope that you would be able to get a transplant? No, not right away, because of the same problem that caused my kidneys to fail. I still have. I even have it now, but the treatments for it are a lot better. You see the. Uh, They've, the treatments have improved. So, 
can talk about your mom getting involved in all of it too. Oh yeah, my mother, yeah, and and, and all of Kenosha getting together and, and having a unit at St. Catherine's Hospital. I mean, that was a whole for what a, for, for kidney machine for their kidney machine. Yeah, they had a fundraiser in Kenosha. Oh, I see. Yeah, so there would yeah. be one there for you. So actually, what happened was is that in in time, this is how Kenosha got their dialysis center was through, they call it Frank's Kidney Fund, to raise money so that I didn't have to go back and forth to Milwaukee. The community uh, here, um, Local 72, St. Catherine's Hospital, mm-hmm. the Good Sisters. Uh, Earl Beckman. Earl Beckman was, was uh, just my neighbor who yeah. uh, was somebody who started mm-hmm. started the whole thing with my father. Because otherwise that you couldn't have done that here in Kenosha um, at all. R- right. Well, and, and it, in those days, in 1969, um, did, there, were, there were different rules that medical societies had for handling blood in, you know, in Because originally, time. didn't the medical society say no? Yes. I read some articles that said they would not allow to have a machine here. Yeah. And that's when Earl Beckman and the community came together and said, we have to do this. We right. have to do have a unit for and Frank. My, and my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they had spaghetti dinners. I have a, still have a ticket from Frankie's kidney hmm. fun dinner at wow. Mount Carmel, I think it was. Yeah, and right. Well, the, all the churches. All the yeah, churches. Yeah. They all came together and raised the money. I know there were a bunch of thank yous in the voice of the people and, and please out there dances and A lot of the businesses. And, Oh just, my uh, gosh. You know, not, yeah. not only the Italian businessmen, because yeah. you know I'm very Italian. Yeah. But there were really? a lot like really? uh, <laughs> yeah, everybody pulled together. And, and that's how the dialysis unit started at wow. St. Catharines. Wow. And, and once you know it, I was on the machine maybe maybe three months at St. Catharines, and I had to have a different procedure on my arm to get at my blood, and they weren't doing that yet at St. Catharines. So I had to go back to Milwaukee to oh. run, anyways. But then about six months later, I had the transplant. So it. There you go. But at least Kenosha now has their mm-hmm. But then your mother learned how to run him on dialysis. And she yes. what, had an eighth grade education. Yeah. Or, and um, She became a technician. She became a technician and actually it's, was the had nurses in the dialysis units at St. Cat's, but they always called her the boss. Yeah. Because she kind of. <laughs> Getting her out. Yeah. Yep. If you needed yeah. something, you asked Elsie because Elsie really knew. So yeah. after he got his transplant, she continued on as a technician at St. Catherine's for many years. Wow. In the dialysis yeah. Even after your dialysis yeah. days yeah. were yeah. over. Yeah. And here wow. she was only in eighth grade education, and she was afraid she couldn't do it. And she like did it for you, her my son. parents were great. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Yeah, wow. you know. amazing people. Yeah. yeah, it's probably hard for you to imagine mm-hmm. right. what this experience would have been without oh, yeah. them. I mean, right. with, with other parents. Or, that... or parents that, I don't know. Yeah, But sure. my parents had a, a wonderful extended family. Mm-hmm. I mean. Oh, <laughs> the yeah. aunts and uncles and oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you have yeah. to have that support. Yeah, pretty yeah. cool. Pretty so cool. you, at some point, it became apparent that you would need a transplant. Well, to... that was sort of my choice. And, oh. and I went and I hunted around. And uh, I, I shopped. Oh. <laughs> he hates I, to shop now, though. I hate to shop now. Yeah, but then uh, you shop, yeah. Actually, I was asking around. I've, I've, by now, I'm pretty involved in the Kidney Foundation, and I'm at workshops, and I'm, I'm, I'm working You mean 40 them. years ago, yes. you're saying? Okay, 40 yeah, years ni- ago. 1968, a- I started selling Halloween candy out of a guy, Harry Pulaski was his name, up in Milwaukee. Because they were trying to make a foundation for for kidney disease. Wow! Yeah, yeah. Huh. So yeah, so you were already I was embracing already this as a cause, right? And I started to go to workshops and uh, uh, lectures, and and I I heard uh, this Dr. Kaufman talking, and after I listened to him, I went up to him. I said, you know, they told me I can't really have one because of this, this, and this. He he was sort of a really 
He was like a master sergeant. Ah, crotchety. He said, don't worry. We, we can fix you up. You come and see me. Wow. <laughs> so I went to see him, and he put me on the list. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you so you were the one who was thinking, boy, this right. this would be – this would release me from the, right. the bondage of dialysis. Right, absolutely. If such a thing were possible. yeah. yeah. Wow. So, and at this time, so this is 1969 or 1970, yeah. is this a, still a relatively uncommon procedure? Uh, in 1970, I think they did 27 transplants in uh, Wisconsin, and hmm. I was one of them. Wow. Yeah. In fact, uh, that was a, when I went and got transplanted, there were three patients that had a transplant. I had a, a buddy who she received the other kidney from this young woman, and I received one. So you got one kidney. One kidney, and it's not in my gut. It uh, sort of sits in my pelvic region. You know how your your pelvic bone has a little hollow, hollows yeah, in it? Yeah, Well, they set it right down in there. Oh, how cozy. <laughs> so it's in front instead so of back. So it's in front oh, instead okay. of back. And, yeah. mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, they re- rearranged the plumbing. <laughs> wow, very interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I, I, uh, I got to interview Alonzo Mourning, the uh, NBA uh, oh, basketball star wow. yes. who had uh, a kidney transplant, mm-hmm. and um, I remember in that one of the interesting things in his book is where he talks about how in a typical transplant they're worried about your size. I mean, I hear this mm-hmm. guy's like six eight. Oh, absolutely. Wow. And yeah. and so the size of his kidney and and where it would go and mm-hmm. so on, they really needed to try to find a donor who would be comparable yes, size. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Was that an issue? Obviously, you're not six well, eight. I was Frank, a thirteen year old girl, and I was. 21 yeah. at the time, so wow. it fit. I know that, uh, well, you know something about this this uh, this girl, but uh, mm-hmm. my understanding is that you never knew her no, back, name. No, back in those days, that we, we weren't introduced to our donor families. Mm-hmm. It, wasn't, it wasn't on then. Right. Yeah, but so. we are, we have, I have tried through have the you? National Kidney Foundation, yeah, and um, to try to find his donor family. And, yeah. you know, again, she was 14, um, Fourteen, just fourteen. Okay. Um, See, she knows more than I do. And you know, my sister-in-law talked about the day that Frank got the call, and that he they had to get him up to you know Milwaukee County real fast. And her boyfriend at the time drove him, and they got stopped by the police, and they for speeding. Oh yeah, uh, state troopers. State stopped troopers us. stopped you. Oh, because speeding. to get you there right. in timely. In fashion. those days, they didn't have they. Now they could take a kidney out, and, it, and they have a little machine they could put the kidney in, and it stays viable for like up to three days. In those days, you had like four or five hours oh, yeah. wow. once they take it out. So oh he gosh. got stopped by the police for speeding, and then the police weren't buying the story of him having a transplant. <laughs> I, I don't know why. see three teenage yeah. people uh, in yeah. a car in an EMX saying, yeah, I got to get to the hospital. I need a transplant. <laughs> <laughs> sure, buddy. Sure Let you me do. see your registration. <laughs> sure, buddy. <laughs> Poor police officer. And did they find it? Didn't he follow you to Frater? He followed yeah, us to Frater because he involved Milwaukee County at the time. Yeah. And yep. and then he waved to us as they they came out with the meat wagon and put me on the meat oh, wagon. Oh my and, word! And yep. wheeled me in. So this so, police officer eventually believed you. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, he believed it then. Eventually, but, yeah. I mean, so we let's knew, face it, you know, you know, the time <laughs> the time she probably my sister in law said she you know died the day that he had his transplant, and um, so I had first check with Frank's friend, Doctor Alan Rose, up at Freighter and said, Alan, you know, how can I go about trying to find this donor family? It's not that I want to have them at the party or even meet them, but I want them to know or someone from her family to know. What his life has been because of her, their yeah, gift. Of you know? course. Yeah. So he hooked me up with the Wisconsin Donor Network, who was searching. And Frank, I don't, you don't, don't know, know any of this because no. I was doing it online. Um, <laughs> and they checked, and then they finally emailed me back and said, 40 years ago, they didn't keep records. Um, so they really had no way to find that out. So then I went appeal to the um, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. 
Um, and then Channel 12, that's how Channel 12 got involved. I got hooked up with uh, a lady named Susie from WISN and uh, got her email and, and put it out there. And they emailed me back and said, it's a wonderful story. We'd like to do something with it. And then they, in turn, putting it on TV, hoped that someone from her family, I said she was 14, it was 40 years ago, maybe her parents aren't even alive, maybe they aren't in the area, but maybe there's a cousin or an uncle or someone that says, you know, I remember that. That used to be our neighbor. Some mm-hmm. way to be able to reconnect with a family just to let them know of what their gift has done for his life. So um, the Journal Sentinel had finally emailed me back, actually a couple weeks after the party, and said that they thought they had a couple of leads, but then that's where it ended. And I guess in my head I think I would really like to know, but at the same time, I guess it, maybe it's just not meant to be, mm. you know. And But 40 years ago they didn't do that. But you always, you know, wonder. And Frank you never wanted to open any old wounds. He didn't want no, to bring it, to the it, surface something. It's a sad time that, Yeah, it's sure. a terrible people. time yeah. for the people. Right. But right. yet, wouldn't it be wonderful that for them to know that look at what he's become because of their unselfish gift at the time. So, yeah. you know, who knows? Maybe someday it will pop up and all of a sudden they'll be able to tell us something. But, um, yeah, so I was trying to investigate that, too. And that's how Channel 12 got involved. And then... Um, Channel 12 was going to come to a school to do the interview with him, and then Channel 6 found out about it because it went out on the AP, <laughs> I guess, that National put out there. And so Channel 6 is calling him, and Channel 12 is like, well, they're not going to scoop us. We were the guys that were scooped. So they came the day before, and it was just like a media frenzy of, yeah, of no cameras kidding. everywhere. And the kids at school were all excited. And you know, and then Channel 12 said, we want to be at the party. you know. So they came to the party and taped there, too. So it was really, really nice. Wow. Now, now you know what the 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 – the parents of of an American Idol winner. Oh, no uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, you know, it really gets to you after a while. You know, you turn around and there's a mic in your mouth yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. It just it does get to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I found out that uh, the the AP, a lot of newspapers picked it up. Someone from Australia uh, told mm. me that it was out there. Mm-hmm. And, and it was in London. Yeah, I, I know that. So they yeah. they picked up the so you know just a little byline, a little blurb. Yeah, so it's sort of something. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and of course now the story's out there, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe somebody who's connected with this family will still you still don't stumble know. across it. It, it would be nice. It would be nice. At least just to say thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and absolutely. Frank wrote, wrote a couple articles for the National Kidney Foundation's newsletters and the one in Milwaukee. And he had his email address in there. And he has gotten some emails from people who are going through the same thing or or have known him years ago yeah. or encouraged by his his words in these articles that he wrote. And, um, yeah, so it's been really kind of neat because wow. all of a sudden he'll get an email from somebody saying, I read your article. It was great. And now he's going to be uh, participating in some way in the transplant games. Um, which are in actually in Madison, the end of July, beginning of August this year. So he's going to be speaking on their closing ceremonies for donor families. And um, oh, okay, yeah. so you're not throwing the shot no, put or anything. No, <laughs> well, in fact, they want me to do something. I said, I said, do you have uh, TV remote clicking? Yeah. I'm very good. That's at what that. I told him. If you've got a big screen TV, TV a recliner, and a remote control, yeah, 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 he yeah. is your man. Easy. All right, how about yeah. uh, you know? Uh, <laughs> Accordion sprint or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's that's exercise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. bowling or golfing. No, but I, I think, think it's wonderful just, yeah. to see all those people who've uh, received transplants, heart, lung, liver. They're so active and viable. Mm-hmm. People have to see that. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course, they really do. Absolutely. And that, it's just that. Uh, who are my you know rickets? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. You don't have to. I'm not too fast and agile. No, 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 yeah. You do other things well. Yes. Yeah. So one of the reasons you have had this longevity with mm-hmm. your transplant is because you were so young when you had your transplant. Yes. So, young and the and the match, even though it was a B match, in those days they used to match up antigens. They don't do that much now. It's something different. I should keep up with this, but I don't. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. uh, 
uh, like right now, I could probably get a kidney from my wife, mm-hmm. which would be unheard of when, ah. when, I, when I had oh, yeah. So back then, yeah. it had to be a, a, a fairly closer close match, match right yes. from the start. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And then the uh, um, all the medicine that I still take, you know, to keep rejection at bay. Mm. I still have to take all that. So wow. it's never yours. Yeah. yeah. Take hey, care of your kidneys. There's nothing better than your own. I'll right. Tell you that Abs- right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just curious, over, over, the, over these years, in terms of your kidney function, mm-hmm. ha- has this kidney served you well or have there been it some It has scares? served me wonderfully. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it's served me well. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's gone through a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, of course, it... Uh, it ages like everything else, so my uh, my filtration rate uh, rate my filtration rate isn't a boomer anymore like I was a young kid, but more than enough to keep me going. Hmm. Yeah, and that's what you want. Absolutely. But, you know, but unfortunately, you have other things because of it, like high blood pressure and different other things All that my come joint up. Pr- yeah, he's joint problems from his years of of uh, steroid use. I mean, he's mm. you know been on steroids for forty years and. Um, so yeah, so that's that. Yeah, takes I have a, a lot, a lot of stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, but so I, that's nothing to me. That's, sure. What are you mm-hmm. gonna do? So tell us what this lady sitting next to you has <laughs> uh, contended with over the years, besides just you. <laughs> well, we have four children, mm-hmm. and God being the ever joker, we have uh, two hearing impaired and one deaf child, and one child that hears well, but he doesn't listen. Mm-hmm. My favorite <laughs> line. So we have four beautiful kids. Uh. So I guess you know, and so we had our challenges mm-hmm. also Absolutely. as parents. And boy, that made me appreciate my parents more, mm-hmm. knowing that our, our kids are beautiful. They're wonderful. We like them like they are. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. that's they're, they're our kids. But we've had our challenges also, and. Uh, Three years ago, they discovered I had two years ago. Two and a half years ago. Cancer, you know, uh, so I went through that, prostate cancer. Wouldn't you know it, I saw a urologist for 36 years Mm -hmm. every six weeks to keep things flowing. Never once did we ever suspect or ever think that uh, anything like that was it. And the PSAs were checked and everything. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, one day it was stage three and it already spread. Mm -hmm. Whoa! Yeah, they, yeah, but it was yeah, it was kind of hard because he I, I couldn't believe he was it. retiring. He could... This physician retired from Kenosha, went oh, part time at Freightert, Dr. John Schmidt, and yeah. he just told Frank before I retire, let's just you know his PSA jumped a little bit, but mm. certainly not in the danger range, and so mm. let's just make sure, let's just do a biopsy. So he did, and everything looks great, everything looks fine. Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be great. And a week later, we went back for a biopsy report. He could hardly talk to us. He was so upset. Mm. He said, "You have a yeah. stage three. It's you know Gleason scale nine out of ten. Um, we just left in disbelief. It was like, you got to be kidding me. I want to die of kidney disease. You know? I mean, yeah. you know, come on. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Happened, Who wrote you know? the script? Yeah. Who wrote the script? So he went right into 40 radiation treatments, which he got through very well. And the people at Freightert and the oncology department and his oncologists were wonderful. And then he, unbeknownst, you know, I mean, he just decided to be part of a study that was chemotherapy treatments followed after the radiation. And the idea was the study was doing chemotherapy, which would normally be the follow-up if you were to have a recurrence of a prostate cancer, to follow it with chemo right away. Would you have a better outcome than, you know? And so and he's, you know. Delay. Right. And so, of course, Frank said, oh, sure, I'll participate, you know. And after the. <laughs> pick me, pick yeah, me. Yeah, pick me, please. And he had chemo every three weeks for six treatments. And after about the third treatment, he was like, oh, yeah. what? Did I think I was doing? <laughs> you know, I could have been done with the radiation. You know, so. Um, but actually, I mean, he really, other than chemo days, he did not miss any school. Um, he was there in the morning, and you know, he's a little more. Of course, tired I fell asleep and, at the computer. Yeah, all well, that's the time. okay. Yeah, <laughs> but 
they were amazed at Freighter, of how well he did and how much, you know, he continued with his life, even though he was going through all of these treatments. And, you know, of course, I always say that the only reason he's even here is is because you married me 36 years ago. Otherwise, you would have been dead years ago, honey. I'm telling you, you would have been, you know. But uh, I'll let you take all the balls. She's kept you plugged in, hasn't she? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I know she's got to get back to work and probably grab lunch. But one last question. Frank, most of these years until today, as we record this, you've been a teacher and or a principal right. today as we record this on <laughs> on monday the whatever it is uh, the 28th of june yeah. um this was your last day at saint mark's right uh, the right. last stop in uh, the many places <laughs> uh-huh. you've been as a as a principal what difference do you think um this experience that you've had um has made for you as an educator and working with children working with teachers um, or is it a little early to even be aware of those kind of things? Well, you know, I, 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 I love my career as an educator and as a principal. I liked helping teachers. I like to watch teachers help kids. And that's what it's all about. You know, that's our future generations. And we have a responsibility to make sure our children get the best education they can, whether it be private or public. I mean, I, I don't, you know. It's our responsibility. Um, it's kept me young. When you work with children, you, you do keep young. Hmm. I couldn't play four square anymore. Or when they say, come on, Mr. G, jump in and hopscotch or whatever. I said, no, no, thank you. It's, <laughs> double yeah, Dutch, yeah. No, no more double Dutch, you know, and, and stuff like that. Or, uh, I really enjoyed working with the bands. And that was a lot of fun, too. I don't know. I think it was. It's been a blast. And who says that this is going to be my last retirement? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh. I might have something. He saw I my, saw he her saw honey honeydew honeydew list, and again. I said, "Oh yeah, God, oh boy, uh, looks like I need a job yep. again." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think his attitude. You know, anybody that knows Frank knows that he has got such an amazing attitude about life. And I think I'm sure that because he was so near death. I mean, he had the last race three times when he was in all the midst of his medical problems, and I think he lived through that and developed this wonderful attitude that. You know, whatever is going to happen is going to happen, and I think that makes him who he is, is to be able to have the positive attitude on life because of that. Just make uh, the world a little better yeah. than what yeah. you found it. That's and all. laugh it's, and keep It's really and, simple. You know. That, that, you know, people are always looking for the deep meaning of life. With well, big, long words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you don't you just make things a little better mm-hmm. than, you know. Yep, do the best you can. Yeah, like do the best you, have, you can. You know, serve be people. for it. Yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yep. But have fun while you're doing it. Oh, of course. <laughs> well, I, I get the impression you've managed to do well, that. Well, I managed to do that. <laughs> yeah, you've managed that real well. Yeah. Frank Germanaro and Janet Germanaro, what a great story this is, and I do appreciate you uh, oh, taking you. time to to, uh, to tell it in uh, such remarkable detail. It's been uh, great to revisit this, and uh, we wish you the very best and 40 more happy years <laughs> with, your, uh, with your kidney. You bet. You bet. Thanks okay, again. Thank you. Thank you, Greg.
the Thank you.